Let's go ahead and begin with the message. Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And it reads in Luke 2, 12. And this will be a sign to you. And you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. Now, you got to understand this story. Let's, let's go back and kind of review, because I've had a, a four-part series up to come up to this point. The current atmosphere there in, in Judea was horrible. It was, and I, I, I tell you, it was the worst of times. Um, Tiberius was the emperor and the stepson of Augustus Caesar. He was a terror. He was despised, mistrusted by all. Pilate, he was uh, the governor there, and he cheated his Roman bosses, and he abused the Jewish people, those who resided in Judea. Herod, we talked about Herod, he was insanely uh, paranoid. He ordered three of his sons and one of his wives to be murdered, executed. And then he had Annas, the high priest, the religious leader, who had uh, sold out his morals, sold out his morals, just so he could maintain his possession. So you had all these people running uh, the government, the, the society, and the economy at the time. But even worse than that, no prophet uh, had spoke. There was nothing taking place for over 300 years. Nothing happened. Um, no word from God. And then as a result of that, you'll find... Throughout the, as he's walking his life, as it goes on, this, that the entire world was demon possessed. So, if there were the worst time to have a baby was then. But nonetheless, God knew that He needed a baby to fulfill His will, His purpose, and His call. So, it was the worst of times. Demon possessed. I reminded him. I almost forgot this story. I was with a brother. I won't mention his name. He knows who he is. We were at Home Depot. Because he's like, you ever ask us, where did all these demons go? Well, they're still somewhere. We just don't see them all the time. But we're in Home Depot, and I said, this tiny guy, but this guy is kind of chipping my head. I looked at him, right? So I said, but I ain't got no time right now. I had to get something because I went plumbing. I was doing, doing some work in the house. So I see him. I see him walking up to the other guy, his other brother, and I just said, I'm going to see what happens. So I'm watching, and then he starts talking to him, and the guy begins to manifest. Um, he started making kind of weird noise, and I said, oh, here we go. There's one of those demons that we were wondering where they're at. He's right here. And he started manifesting. I share that to say this. All those demons that were present and that, that, that the day of Jesus are still somewhere. They're still somewhere around. And, and Jesus came into that mess, despite them as he came in there, and God decided to, to give a gift on the Christmas night. The gift of Jesus. Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness of our lives. In John 1, 4, it reads, The Word was a source of light, and this light brought light to mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has never cleared out. So that Christmas season, gifts were given, not the kind of gifts you have today where you have, you know, you get a Star Wars saber or a dress or a gown, but you had gifts from Mary and Joseph were giving the gift of obedience, doing the will of God when the will of God was unheard of. 
It'd be one thing if they were being trained in seminary or went to full theological seminary and got their degree, but they didn't get that. It'd be another thing if, if they were highly educated and came in and began to deduce with some professor, but they didn't have that. No, there was just a, a little 14-year-old girl that said yes and gave that gift for obedience. It was just a man who took this 14-year-old girl who was impregnated by somebody else and he said yes and they believed. The gift of all the shepherds and the worship that they gave because they were in the fields and a star shone and the angels began to sing and they were mad. They were mesmerized with the sight in the sky and they went to go look at this baby being born and, and they gave worship. The gifts were being transferred not like the gifts of today the gift of joy from the baby Jesus when the baby was first born. Imagine Mary's joy. Now, I've never had the, the privilege of giving birth. Hallelujah. But I know some of you have. And, I, and that's a painful uh, uh, time, I'm sure. But I can almost guarantee because I see it in my wife's eye after the baby was born. All that pain, all that suffering, it just vanishes. You forget how terrible it was. You forget how much pain you were in. All you know is you got the joy in your arms. And, and that's what Mary received, the joy, the first joy to hold God. Hmm? The wise men come and they gave their gift of excellence. They didn't come and give seconds. They didn't come and give their leftovers. No, they came and gave their gold, their frames, or their myrrh, their best. This word exchanged that first night. That faithful night, not only were gifts exchanged, but I think what I would grasp me the most was the, the sacrifice that was happening. The sacrifice, it was, it was amazing. So that we might have a Christmas. People just willing to do what most wouldn't do. I alluded to Mary, and she was a 14 year old girl. And I have to bear just, I think about it time and time again. Here she is, 14, and she's impregnated, never having touched a man. And she expected people to believe her. You know, when you think about that, would you believe her? If your daughter came home tonight, Mom, Mom, I'm pregnant, but I never had sex. Would you believe her? So what makes us think that Mary was believable? So in other words, she knew what had happened to her, and she knew that no one would believe her. She, so what did she do? She sacrificed her reputation for Jesus. Because most of us will call you, you floozy. What you, what you laying in bed with a man for? You're too young. You're only 14 years old. What's wrong with you, girl? Could you imagine the things they were talking about and saying about Mary? Mary, she's Mary. Only 14, she's pregnant. Have a baby, have a baby. Did you hear it? But she had to believe God and she sacrificed her reputation. And I, that's pretty bad for the women. And then I, I feel really bad for Joseph. See, in my neighborhood, if a guy did that, took a girl who was pregnant with somebody else's child, hello, someone. Now, it's one thing that you meet a girl and she already has a baby, right? And you, you know, you have, what do you call it, blended families. That's one thing, you know, that's acceptable nowadays. But think about it. How many men would date a girl who's pregnant? Let me say again. How many guys?
guys would, would date a girl who's pregnant by somebody else's baby. And you would say, this is my girl. Oh, that's your baby? No, it's some other dude. I mean, come on, let's be practical right now. Because we always do the Christmas story. Oh, we think angels say that. It wasn't like that. It was very practical. Here was a guy, Joseph, said, man, I got to be around. I got to believe her. I have to believe I got to believe that I see these angels that spoke to me. I have to believe it. No one else will believe me. So Mary is sacrificed her reputation. Now Joseph is sacrificing his manhood. You know, it's, oh man, you're a punk. You're dating a pregnant chick from some other dude, and you're going to say, God. Yeah, right. Okay, God. Remember, God hadn't spoke in 300 years. So nobody knew how God sounded. My God, what, what a picture, huh? Came and seen Mary and seen Joseph. And if they had the time to tell the story, he wouldn't believe it. He wouldn't believe that God was inside that girl's stomach. So he didn't recognize Jesus was right there, the creator of the heaven and earth. The Alpha and the Omega was right in front of him, and he couldn't recognize him. Now, we, I look at him, he has an excuse. He was in the womb. But I know some people don't recognize Jesus when Jesus died in front of them. Many don't recognize Jesus when during Christmas time. Why? Because they're so. And I, I don't, it's not a matter of the hoopla, the light. Because the light, you know, some people oh, you can have Christmas trees and lights. I like Christmas trees. I like lights. I like snowberries. I like Rudolph. He's cool. Rudolph, the bear. No, that's cool. Good night, son. That doesn't bother me. Because I don't understand why I'm here. But most people get offended by that and don't understand or, or can't see Jesus despite all that glitter. Because for the other 364 days, they don't do anything for God. So they wouldn't recognize him when he walked up to him. It's not the glitter. If you're following God all every day, 24-7, seven days a week, January 1 to, to, uh, to December 24, you'll recognize God even if somebody's wearing a that man costume. Mm. So he wants you to spend time with him. But we reject him. So then we don't recognize him. Are we too busy to fellowship? Can we reject his word? And we don't obey it. Or live by it. And we talked about the manager, or the manger of our life. Last week, I talked about the manger of our life. Jesus was born in a feeding trough. A, a, a device where the animals ate out of. It wasn't a beautiful, manicured little basket for the baby Jesus. No. It was a trough, dirty. You know, have you ever eaten, you seen a cow eat? They have terrible, terrible table manners. They do. They eat the cows eat and, and you know, spit and bowels and all that. Just sort of falls into the hay. You know, you offer them a napkin, they refuse it. Terrible. Well, that's where Jesus was born. Dirty. Soil smelling like animals. So Jonah had to come into this area, but he had no room in the inn because the innkeeper didn't recognize him. And he had to clean up this area for baby Jesus. And when I think of that, in the same way I see the Holy Spirit must clean us up for Jesus. But some of us, 
for dirty animals. Oh, I'm just going to make a promo book. Not you. You guys are cool. This man was a dirty animal. And when I came to Christ, I needed to be clean. My manger was a mess. There was garbage in the front, garbage in the middle, garbage on the side, and I kept the lean of the garbage in the back, too. That was, that was where I was at. Uh, he was born here on earth for us. He died here on earth for us. And now he's alive and living in us and among us. And we belong to him. Do you belong to Jesus? Do you see what I'm talking about? Can you see the picture? Do you see what I see? Because it was a worth of time that Jesus came to set us free. Now it said... A sign you'll have is that the child will be in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, when you think of that, you know, swaddling clothes, the significance of Jesus in swaddling clothes. Notice the angel perfectly explains that Jesus will be there and like this. He didn't say, go, go to this manger and you'll find a baby. He said, this is going to be a sign. This will be the part of the sign. This is how you're going to identify who Jesus is. To fully understand the importance of Jesus, uh, you need a little background. In Luke's Gospel, it is abundantly clear that Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah means anointed one, or in the Greek, Christos. He is the Christ. Now, the Christ is even more significant because he had to be the Christ, but he had to be the son of David. The Davidic association with Jesus' role is obvious if you, if you know uh, the Old Testament. In recounting his last words, speaking from David in 2 Samuel 23, David, he says, The anointed of God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. So this sign, lying in the manger, the Messiah was predicted and prophesied to be son of David. A, gene- a, gene- a genealogy, a lineage of people, right, that would, that would prove that Jesus is truly the Messiah. It was the key indicator to knowing that this baby was truly sent to God. Solomon wrote a book around 1000 BC called The Wisdom of Solomon, where he states, Solomon 7 4, I was nursed in slaughtering clothes. So wrapped in swallowing and cold with a, with a sign or a cold language that his, this was David's son. Solomon was David's real physical son who was wrapped in swallowing clothes. The Messiah, the ultimate son of David, would also be wrapped in swallowing clothes, confirming his Davidic lineage. See, this boy was going to be born, and Mary really didn't know who she had in her womb. So Jesus was born to die. Born in the manger. Now as I studied this, I found that the manger wasn't a building or a barn behind the manger. You know, you look at the Christmas card, it looks so nice. There wasn't a barn. The manger was actually located in a cave. And this cave had a very significant use. The cave was used where they would birth sheep, lambs. But not just any lambs, 
fittingly, this cave, this manger, was a place where they would birth lambs destined as sacrifices. Baby lambs. The male lamb born in that cave and others like it in, in the Bethlehem area would be used exclusively in the temple. They were set aside to be Hamil, or the morning sacrifices which began each day. They were also used as burnt offerings. The female lambs, they were used a little differently, but similar. They were, they were used as peace offerings. So here, according to the myths of these lambs, would, would immediately be wrapped in swaddling clothes. I'm speaking of the lambs. They come out of the, uh, of the, the female uh, sheep, and they would take the lamb because they instinctively would run around. And oftentimes, because they were so little, the, the bones so brittle, they would end up blaming themselves, marking themselves, wounding themselves, breaking a bone. And if they broke a bone or wounded themselves, those lambs could never be used again because the only lamb that could be used in Tamil were lambs without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle. So lovingly, the shepherd would bring the lamb out and wrap it up until the bones would get strength several hours later. So during those times, conversely, when babies were born, they were never wrapped in swaddling clothes. The people didn't, couldn't afford it, for one. If they had linen or cloth, they wouldn't use it to wrap a baby. They didn't have diapers like, you know, we think diapers or pampers. They couldn't go to Walmart and get a, you know, 64 pack. No, their babies would roam naked. And if they did their mess, they did their mess. So we see this Joseph coming in, the shepherds coming in, who seeing baby, they could not have understood the full significance of swaddling clothes in which he wrapped the infant Jesus. Swaddling cloth, again, was primarily used, listen, very interesting. The only time they used swaddling cloth was when somebody had died. It was called burial cloth, and they would wrap, and if you look at pictures of Jesus, they would wrap the dead body in swaddling cloth. So when, when they seen the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, there was kind of a confusion because only those that were dead should be swaddled. Babies were alive and we were naked. Mm-hmm. For Joseph's action story in this cave in the Judean hillside, the young Lord of the universe lay in a stone manger wrapped in grave clothes. This action was taken according to the angel of the Lord to be the sign the shepherds would come visit him. This shall be a sign unto you. So this is why the angel could say this is a sign. Because if all babies were born in swaddling clothes, what's the big deal? That's like saying, this will be a sign to you. The next Mexican you see will have a mustache. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're okay. That's no sign. Why else would he say this is a sign? Swaddling clothes, because children were not born in swaddling clothes. Uh, only sacrificial lambs that couldn't have a spot or wrinkle. 
no broken bones. Only those that were dead should be swaddled. So what is this telling us? The significance of this. This baby was born on day one to die. It offered a sign of choice. This is the child who has been born to die. Our Savior, our Lord, the Heavenly Father wanted the world to know the reason for His Son becoming flesh. That's why we, we celebrate Jesus. That's why we have to understand the significance of the baby lamb, Jesus, wrapped with no spot, with no wrinkle, in the spiritual sense, with no sin, to be our sacrifice. Just like the Tamil will use the baby lambs on their daily worship to sacrifice, this lamb would end all sacrifices. The ultimate sacrifice for us. That's why we talk about Jesus like we do on Christmas. That's why we write Merry Christmas, not Merry Xmas. Because Jesus, Lord, is our Savior. And whenever He bowed and every eye closed, whenever He bowed and every eye closed, Sign to us a baby born in swaddling clothes, grave clothes, destined to die. If there's anyone here this Christmas day, let's say, Pastor, I need to give us a sin. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you want to offer up. To Jesus, imagine this. Jesus wants to take from you as a gift your sins and to return to you his righteousness. That's you. I want you to raise your hand real quick and put it down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All across. God bless you. God bless you. Everywhere. All across. Many hands have gone up. What a day. Does anyone else who has not written or has not already raised their hand? But you say, I want to give my life to the Lord this Christmas. I don't have any silver, I have no gold. But one thing I have, I have breath in my lungs. And I want to give it to the Lord today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Many hands. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. So, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, we're going to sing a worship song. And as we sing this song, you raise your hand. You say, I want to give my life to the Lord. This Christmas day, I want to give my life as a present to Jesus. That's you. As we sing this song.